Hey everyone, welcome to the Bunny Chronicles podcast. This is your host, Randy Kim. This podcast aims to break bread, or as I should say, break bun me with API folks in the Chicago community and beyond. For this episode, I broke bun me with two local Vietnam American comedian actors in Chicago. Their names are Wee Win and Michael Van Pham. I first met Michael as part of the improv group called Club Asia for Talk Stories, an Asian-American Asian diaspora storytelling show that Ada Chang and I co-produce. He would be back again at another one of our Talk Stories event back in late August, this time with We Win as an improv duo called Fish Sauce. To add a little context, fish sauce is a very common added ingredient in a lot of traditional Vietnamese and Southeast Asian dishes. In Vietnamese, fish sauce is called nuk mam. I spoke with We and Michael about their experiences getting into comedy and theater and how their experiences as second-generation Vietnamese-American helped to solidify their identity and confidence going into an industry that has long been inaccessible to many API folks. I also want to point out that those two are quite a handful in this episode. But don't worry, I know we likes being reminded about his age and Michael on his love for the Tennessee Titans. I gotta say, those two are hilarious and I really enjoyed talking with them. So thank you to those two for participating in this episode and I really hope you enjoy my interview with them. Thank you. Hello, everyone. This is Randy from the Bunmy Chronicles podcast, and I am here with two wonderful friends of mine, Michael Van Pham and Wee Win. So, how are you both today? Excellent. Thank you wow. for having me and us, Randy. Yeah, yeah. Thank yeah, you so yeah. much for being here. Yeah. So, I was wondering if uh, you can introduce yourself. So, let me start with. Uh, let's go with Wee first. Hi. Um, I'm Hui Wen. I'm Chicago-based actor and writer and director, originally from Seattle. Thank you, Wee. And Michael, can you quickly uh, introduce yourself? Yep, uh, I'm Michael Van Pham, originally from Memphis, Tennessee, Chicago-based improviser, comedian, actor, and soon-to-be director. Bam, 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 bam. So Nice, yep. nice. So I'm looking forward to talking with both of you about your uh, journey and also about what got you into comedy, theater, and also sharing a little bit more in context about uh, your family background and also um, the journey that your family had gone through living in the U.S. and also your connections and uh, with dias- with the Vietnamese American diaspora that we both, we all three of us do share as second generation folks. So, uh, so I wanted to ask by starting off. Uh, so we. Mm. So what got so what got you involved with comedy and theater? Like, how did it all began for you? Com- uh, theater. I started in high school and college um, a long, long time ago. I don't even want to say how many years ago it was, but um, I started in traditional mm-hmm. classical theater back then. Uh, at the same time, I was studying theater in college. I studied um, international marketing, and um, as a 22, 23-year-old human being who was born in America to parents of immigrants, I, could, I never really saw a path for entertainment um, as a thing I was going to choose. So I actually, I worked in, in uh, an office and corporate environment for many years uh, before coming back to it uh, after I'd moved to Chicago. Um, so I moved to Chicago about 10 years ago to, to go to school. For, for again for business and then while I was in school I did some acting jobs just to pay some bills and buy some books after after school I went and worked in business for a couple years before I finally decided hey you know what I'm much happier uh, spending time creating art with my life so um, I think about three 
maybe three or four years ago, I went full time as an actor in Chicago. Mm. And growing up, uh, and I, I know that entertainment wasn't immediately like the forefront of career options. Mm-hmm. So what was the challenge? What was the experience like in telling your family that you wanted to go into theater? After So um, it, wasn't, it wasn't a huge hurdle because at that point in my life, I had already... I was already over 35, you know, I'm, I've done everything boy old. asked to do. Yeah, I am old. <laughs> um, that I've done everything I've been asked to, to do as a, you know, I went to school, got a business degree, did really well in school, got a good job, went back to school, got two graduate degrees in business, so, uh... did really well in business again. And then, and then my parents, you know, you know what, um, if, if you want to be an artist, go for it because you've, you've already made us proud, you know? And so that's the deal with them. Um, they're cool. They're very happy that I'm happy. And I, and that's, that's the truth of it. Yeah. So uh, before I get to Michael, I I forgot to mention how, uh, we both, how I met all three, uh, both of you. So uh, I met Michael twice, uh, one uh, for the talk stories back in summer 2018 as part of Club Asia. And the second time when... I uh, wish I was on Club Asia. They, they've they never asked me to uh, Man, join their team. Your offer got rescinded. It <laughs> was too yeah. busy. This is gonna be a very this is gonna be a very hostile interview. I, I, I know it is. Tell. I know. Yeah, I I'm just very glad that we're not in the same th- three of us together because otherwise yeah. I'm gonna have to, like you know. We're not even in the same separate. city right now. Yeah, yeah. But, or the he same moved state. To LA. That's why I'm yeah. hostile right now because he moved to LA. Didn't I know. Just, yeah. Chicago people be very petty, especially it's 45 degree weather that we're dealing with. But okay. you know, um, but yeah, and then also uh, would we I met him when he and Michael did uh, the improv group Fish Sauce uh, back in August for, again, talk stories. So, yeah, I really enjoyed both of your work and so glad that you're on here. So, Michael, I was wondering if you can, you know, shed some light about what got you into comedy and theater and uh, and also what was, did you find any challenges explaining that to your family? Um, I'll start from the back first. Yes. For me, like my my parents, like my my dad, is just like, all right, keep it as a hobby. Um, like I, he he doesn't he doesn't fully understand that like this is something that eventually will pay off and like I I will have like monetary success in eventually. Um, you know, uh, it just takes a while, right? So, like, I treat it like comedy school, right? Like, I've been doing it for three years, so I'm a junior in college, and then you kind of got to graduate and then, you know, work bullshit for a little while and then hopefully find some success in your career. So I'm super early in my stage um, of, like, comedic and artistic mm-hmm. development. Like, other than, you know, I don't, like, I didn't really do shit in high school or college with theater. I really liked it, but... You know, I was, like, too shy, and my parents didn't have money, and, you know, I never I never took, like, acting classes or, like, community theater shit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I, I feel like uh, the way a lot of people started, like, oh, I joke around with my friends a lot, and then you, you kind of discover it. I found it through, like, a friend of a friend when I first moved up, here, moved up here. I knew that the Second City was a thing. I knew that SNL was a thing. Um, but until I got here and I started taking classes at I.O., I didn't realize that, like, oh, people come here to, like, work on their craft and be good artists and, like, learn a lot of stuff. And, yeah, like, a lot of people, like, want to jump the gun and, like, be like, <clears throat> oh, I'm going to take all three classes or I'm going to take all three schools and then, and then mm-hmm. uh, of course, I'm going to get hired. But then you're like, oh, shit, like, all of these places are systems that have anywhere between, like, 100 and 300 kids graduating every six to eight weeks. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's a farm system. And it's really what you do after you get that education, after you get that experience and exposure. Like, I mean, I still haven't taken, I, if I had to guess the number of classes in Chicago and the classes I've taken, like, I've taken, like, maybe 10% of the classes possible here. Like, everyone's offering mm-hmm. a workshop. Everyone's offering, like, 
all this other stuff, you know what I mean? Um, and that's not to say you need any of it because I know people um, like Maya Houghton, uh, shout out to Maya, who she took like one class 12 years ago and she's been grinding ever since and she's on shooting people and doing like dope stuff. So there's all these avenues for artists to work and learn and grow here in Chicago and that's why I'm here. Yeah, no, thank you. And, um, and also like going further, when you go into comedy and theater, uh, media, Asian American visibility in those areas, as we all know, is very limited, uh, especially growing up uh, as second generation folks uh, during the 90s and the early 2000s. <clears throat> Uh, but we're starting to see this change now in the past couple of years. We're, we're seeing more API comedians. We're seeing more actors um, um, being in film and major films. But in your own experiences, did you find a lot of challenges and the doubt that you had you know, going into these spaces, especially uh, when you don't see many people that look like you, uh, because I remember when I wanted to go into journalism several years ago, my dad once said that there are no Asian people in media. I mean, there's only like very few. And it was discouraging to me because I remember my first internship was at Comcast Sportsnet. Um, <clears throat> and through that internship, I was the only uh, Asian person of staff of like over a hundred people in the marketing and the sales department. And it felt very intimidating. And I was wondering if you had, what was that experience like going into these uh, spaces or, you know, into these theater spaces where you're around people that may not look like you, or if I'm wrong, if you were around other uh, like-minded API folks and was this doubt um, something that kept being brought up um, as you were going into this work. Uh, I was wondering if you could start off with that. Uh, okay, for me, um, I don't know. I never, yeah, I mean, I am cognizant ab about it, especially in training institutions that I go in that take class or at school, theater school, not very many faculty members are Asian or Asian American or even, People of color. It's Donald, right? What's that? Like, there's only one. Oh, it's Donald. Yeah, as far as the comedy institutions, yeah. but like well, even when you talk about just like acting classes, you yeah, know, they're they're predominantly white, and I think it goes back to like what Michael Van Fan was saying earlier about not having, you know, he didn't take a lot of acting classes in college because it was um, a limited resource type of thing. And that's and that's how it go, goes for immigrant families. There's not a lot of extra money to go around for arts training or, or um, you know, unless it's like piano lessons or, or violin or something. Yeah. Piano. But like, yeah. Um, so or the and then yeah, or yeah. even the networking because our families did not have that access to yeah, right. People when, in the industry, when, right? When people just get to America, it's about survival. It's not about yeah. um, putting up a play or 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 putting out a record label or something. It's about what am I gonna do to feed my family next you know, week. Have y'all seen uh, Superstore? Yeah, I know it's like technically canceled, but it it's moved on to Hulu to finish. Um, mm -hmm. But in I think it's like episode three, or yeah, no episode four, episode four. There's like a, a, a I think she's a Mexican immigrant or somewhere, but like her her son is like a a parody of Lin-Manuel Miranda and she like like she she gives him all her money too so that he can come up with this like stupid musical um mm -hmm. and then uh, other characters so it's like an all-immigrant show quote-unquote they're playing immigrants uh and all the other immigrants are like why'd you give him you know all the money that you saved up uh uh to that you wanted to buy this fancy fridge and like that was your American dream and she's like no I don't give a fuck about a fridge like my American dream is for my kid to do what he wants so he doesn't have to work like I do. Because the running joke for her, she's like, wherever they're at, she's always working. Like in yeah. that establishment. So if it's like a DMV, she works at the DMV, she works at the bar, she works at whatever, whatever. Yeah. Um, and that that sentiment, I think, is, is pretty true as far as like um, zero gen versus one gen. You just kind of like, uh, you know, the burden of the first is always survival. And then the burden mm -hmm. of the second um, iteration is always uh, 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 self-actualization, right? Mm -hmm. So, 
<clears throat> that's kind of what uh you know kind of how it goes like yeah. and it sucks it sucks for us because like yeah we're so privileged but at the same time we're not right we're privileged that we don't have to like forego our dreams for 89 years to be yeah. like how the fuck do i put food on the table but at the same time you know it's it sucks for us because we want to do those things and we technically have a little bit more capital and know-how and, and and privilege to kind of make that work but it's not like we're sitting we're not like Rooney Mara, you all know Rooney Mara and Kate Mara. They're like amazing actresses and whatnot, right? Like their fucking grandfather owns the Steelers. Like they've never had to concentrate on survival or or figuring out if their family has like health insurance or like taking care of their parents' finances because their parents can't read all the sheets. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that, that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think you bring up a really good point, Michael, because you know looking back on what we looking back in our childhood to now um the second generation struggles even though we are privileged as you correctly pointed out we're also still dealing with our own traumas i mean we had to deal with assimilation uh being the first person being like probably one of the few minorities like for myself it was me going to a nearly all-white school in a very white community and having to deal with the racism and the xenophobia that was coming at me. And I don't know if you had those experiences growing up, but uh, yeah. And then then there's also the fact that our parents came in, well, my dad spoke better English because he was was a translator uh, back when he was in Cambodia. But like for my mom, her English and the rest of my family were very limited. So it always fell on me or on us, I should say, to translate or to uh, to, uh, to help them, to help them read their bills, to um, be able to talk for them, you know, if they need to go to customer service, right? So, so there are times when part of our childhood, we had to be adults for them. We had to kind of also in some ways take care of them uh, as far as, you know, yeah. helping them survive in a society that they had little background of and most of their time was spent having to just work and make income but not being able to do things to explore things on their own or to be able to um to assimilate themselves the way we would have to be assimilated in schools so yeah i I was wondering did, did you find yourself having to be the adult uh, as a child for your yeah. parents. Yeah, for me. And, Absolutely. you know, also I'm the I'm the oldest of four boys too. So it's like, mm-hmm. not only did I have to do all those things, but also kind of, you know, raise your brothers to, you know, be the one to try the thing first. Um, and then, you know, we're talking about parents trying to survive. My, I don't think my parents went to a single PTA meeting. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't... Yeah, I think they went to one. Yeah, so I don't my know. parents never been to any of them, and actually, I yeah. think my mom, when she had to go to parent-teacher conferences, um, her English was so poor. The only thing that she could understand were the letters, the grades that I had. So, yeah. anything, so anything below a B, I was gonna get my butt whooped by my dad <laughs> later on that evening. So that's all she needed. That's all she could understand. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Um, as you were saying, so um, going back. Um, Thinking about every single teacher I've I've ever had in in the arts, I don't think a single one was Asian or Asian American, except and I, except for um, Ada Chang. Or you know, I, I, she's never been my teacher, but she's um, a little bit, she's more my mentor. You know, and so um, yeah, thinking back, it's probably it's probably been ninety ninety five percent white. Caucasian mm-hmm. teachers. I think I got lucky in that regard because I grew up in Memphis and in the like inner city and then um, like the city proper. So yeah. like ninety nine percent of my teachers are black. Yeah, so but those are like those thing. are great. Those are school teachers, right? But as far as the arts right. teachers, um, they're all they're mostly you know. I had right? a, I had a my band teacher was black. That was cool. Okay. Um, because the orchestra program, so I'm a violinist at heart, even though I can't play violin at all, because I signed up and I was supposed to be a violinist, gonna teach it. 
and then they cut that shit because we didn't have money for it. Oh, so then they made us choose between. I had a choice. I could choose drums or trumpet, so I chose drums. Um, so that was dope. But yeah, my art teacher, like when yeah, whenever we did art, that was usually a white person. And then I ended up going to like the whitest of white schools in Memphis for high school because they they like did this weird rezoning thing where they took like the majority black neighborhood that's right next to the school or like right next to mm-hmm. one of the other schools and they're like this school's too black and so they mm-hmm. literally rezoned us into another school zone it was me and like 200 black kids getting on a bus every day to go 20 miles away mm-hmm. to go to a different school because they wanted to quote unquote diversify and then like literally after all the like racist shit that everyone had to deal with like coming into a white school you know um they're like no you know what that experiment failed let's keep everyone seg- segregated again <laughs> so then they built a, a whole new high school for us after i graduated just hey just you got a like, you got a new high school nice yeah <laughs> they're nice. like no we don't like our uh, uh our schools being populated by what people fell there so that shit was whack wow that's interesting because I, I grew up in like dupage county which was quite conservative which is like like 30, 40 minutes west of uh, Chicago. And um, the town of Westmont is very working class. But my high school happened to be like right across the street from a golf, from a big golf course and by Oak Brook, which is a very affluent uh, white suburban neighborhood. Um, And so I thought that was such an interesting dynamic here because I was around a lot of middle-class families and some lower income families, but the neighborhood that we were in, in like around our school, were like very wealthy people. So I thought that was kind of an oxymoron. But yeah, uh, but as you alluded out, we uh, most of my teachers uh, were white, and I don't think I've ever had an Asian Pacific Islander teacher at mm-hmm. any point in my academic life, from grade school to college. Mm-hmm. Now that I think about it, when you brought up Ada, yeah, I mean, her and I, she's definitely like my mentor. I, I consider her like my master splendor to my Raphael because mm-hmm. Raphael is very stubborn as hell and is loose tempered and I'm that way in a nutshell. And then um, Ada has always been the person who uh, has been that mentor for me. So I'm, it's, it's very interesting now that you bring that up because it, it's remarkable about how um, how the lack of visibility among our community folks in these professions, especially what's in the whether it's in say social work, um, academia, arts and theater, it matters. It it really matters to see folks in our community. Uh, be in those professions yeah doing it so that so the next generation sees them and like oh i could do that it never you know when i said in college i i never took the arts path um after school because like there's you don't see it you didn't you don't see it on stage you don't see it but then when i came to chicago i started seeing more of it i'm like oh wow this is amazing a moment that i had that you know as i was beginning my my comedy studies I saw Tian Tran on the ETC stage, yeah. and, and she she performed well, a sketch with um, uh, what was his I, f- I forget what his um, her, her um, stage mates uh, ensemble member's name was, um, but she performed the entire sketch in Vietnamese, and mm-hmm. her scene partner performed the entire part of his sketch uh, of that sketch in in Spanish. So mm-hmm. it was incredible uh, to me. Uh, I, know um, about, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Is it Bernie Mina? Was he already? No, 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 no. Okay. Um, he's out in the, he's out in LA now. That person. Um, but it, it, it to me that was like, okay, this is a sketch that is not targeted toward, you know, the your idea of what a um, a white American audience is, because white American audiences don't speak Spanish and they don't speak Vietnamese. So what is it for? Well. It, it felt like it was for me. It felt like, mm-hmm. um, and so that, and because of that moment, I'm like, oh, maybe I can use my career to create moments like that for other people who are watching in the audience too. And so now that's what I, I try to approach stage work or any type of thing I do. Like, there's someone in the audience that this is going to change their life, you know? And so if you take it, if you uh, take it that seriously, 
then you're going to enjoy the work much more. And, and I don't have anything, I don't want anything beyond that moment. You know, I don't think, uh, I, I don't think about being famous or, or anything else like that. I just think about ooh, what's, what's, what's one audience member that I'm going to inspire to, to pursue this work just because they see me up there doing it and enjoying it and do, and being amazing at it. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's what drives me these days. Yeah. So Michael, um, one of the questions and I think this will kind of go further um, from the experiences that you, uh, that you dealt with uh, in theater. So what are like some of the microaggressions, the barriers that you personally had faced, especially, you know, going into these theater spaces, because one of the things about comedy is that it can be very offensive. And especially when you have folks who um, don't look like you make jokes uh, about, about mean, honestly, your community, I, right? So I'm just curious. Like, I haven't had microaggressions that often in the Chicago comedy community, because like after I, so like, let me let me wipe this and just say like uh, anything that happened before me joining um, CDCC and before CDCC existed like that is I was going through training you know what I mean? like year one was like walking into a class and being like oh shit I'm the only person of color in here and just trying to like make pies with anybody that was black or brown or yellow and be like yo it's cool let's get right, we're here together okay cool um, and, uh, uh, you know, it's hard, it's hard when it's just one or two, right? You can't build a community of one or two. Um, but what you can do is send out a giant uh, uh, invite to a group that has over a thousand members at this point and just be like, you know, does everyone feel as alone and isolated as I do? Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so the way that Club Asia was formed, um, it came through CDCC. And honestly, like that, that changed my life. Like, you know mm -hmm. I mean? Like the way that I have developed in Chicago is is always with the group since then you know it's been two years since Club Asia has been formed and and I've had so many other experiences where I can go and see like like Geraldo or Las Tinas or um you know I can go perform like act up uh 1117 at the annoyance me Ashley Victoria Justin Swinson Devin Middleton you know just like do fun shit like that that last show I did with them we start off with the Takashi 69 sketch and how many mm -hmm you know, uh, 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 improv groups can can even talk about Takashi 69 authentically mm. if they're not a part of that culture. I, I, I can't because I'm too old. I don't know what that That's is. Right. How old <laughs> are you, we? <laughs> I'm 41. I'm 41. Big, no, I'm, I'm a Gen Xer, energy. but that's the other thing sometimes that we don't, we don't um, talk about is like the generational. We talk about uh, being a person of color or we talk about sexual orientation or gender identity, but sometimes there's also um age discrimination and and yeah. and that Sometimes. type of stuff too um, i discriminate against we all the time literally fish sauce what's up if i knew if i knew how old he was i would not have let him perform exactly. see honestly that's yo hold up i just got a notification i just won hamilton tickets yo <laughs> oh for when for when hold up hold up hold up hold up when is it today what time hamilton hold the tickets phone. yo let's go october 30 what's the is that tomorrow that's tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh my God. Okay. Ooh, I'm in LA. I wish I could go with you. I've been trying to win those tickets for two years, bro. Do you always sign up to win two tickets? Bro, okay, hold up. I gotta text. <laughs> Who are you inviting? Yeah, people, don't worry about it. Hey, hey man. Hey. Okay, oh, I'll get to it. Wait, I gotta see how long. How long do I have to decline this shit? I have until 7 p.m. On ten twenty nine. That's today. Oh goddamn! All right, ask me questions. I gotta handle. Yeah, yeah. Thirty seconds or thirty minutes. Oof. Damn, that's that's quite a Exciting. boy. I'm, I'm congratulations, Michael. I, I guess. Yeah. I mean, if this you is the work time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I've won it three times. I'm a fucking asshole. Really? How many times have you gone? You won three, three times. I've gone. I've gone three times. I paid for it one time, and I won three. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah you're, kind of, you're you're a little selfish because some people. I would, I, see, I've I have, never won it. I have I have Look, never seen it's Hamilton. It's a one but... in ten thousand chance, and I always take somebody who wants to see it, who has not able to see it. Can you at least buy some lotto tickets? You know, and try that luck. Nah, it's only so. Here's the thing. 
this is the most mathematical thing and the most inspiring thing for me now it's running out but um you also have chances for the end of january but that lot opened about three years ago and they wow. did the calculations for it based on people's interests and uh, and if you entered every day, you had a one in 10,000 chance of entering, which meant that over the course of three years, if you entered every day, you had an 88% chance of winning at least one time. So if y'all were consistent and did it, you might have got it. That's not how, that's not how math works. 88% chance over three years, dog? Huh? What if every single day is one in 10,000? It, it's not 88% chance. No, it's not. I don't know. People smarter than me did them calculations, boy. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So anyways, kind of uh, uh, di directing this again. So anyway, yeah, yeah, yes. Anyhow, so do you share your own Vietnamese experiences through comedy? Uh, and also, do you do it with do you have you shared your own Vietnamese experiences with your family and members of the Vietnamese community? We handle that. I mean, yeah, we what, okay, what's the question? Yeah, so one of the questions <laughs> is, uh, do you share your own Vietnamese American experiences? I, I mean, I guess I, I do. I don't do it explicitly. I don't be like, okay, this is what it, Vietnamese Americans do. I just go up there and perform as myself. And sometimes the thing that I am as myself is based off of who I am as a Vietnamese American person. But I don't go out there with the mission of doing that. I think just because of the nature of how I grew up and what my experiences it's going to be different than what other people do um, yeah. on stage so that i think is is how it manifests itself but i don't uh before a show i'll be like okay this is what i'm gonna do i'm going to say this in vietnamese i'm going to do this because uh, only vietnamese people do it or because i'm a vietnamese actor i have to do this no i i just um am true to myself or true to that moment and yeah, sometimes the thing that I do is is different just because of my experience as a you know as a child of immigrants from Vietnam. But like, that's never been a personal mission of mine. A mission is just to to be um, present on stage and to like I said before to show people that it's you know that um, arts is is worthwhile and it's possible. Mm -hmm. um, do do you feel comfortable sharing your comedy like with your family or your family friends when they? I I, I love it, man. Um, oh. it, my, I'm not away from my family, so I'm I we li live and work in Chicago, but my family's in LA and in um, Houston and Seattle, so it's very rare that any one member of my family will get to see one of my shows unless it's on TV or 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 a movie or something. Um, but when they do, my mom is flown out from Houston to see a couple of my sketch shows, and it's amazing. She always enjoys herself. She goes and, and talks about the show to me afterwards, what I could have done that was funnier or what she <laughs> thought was amazing. Um, so that's cool. And then this past week, and I was, I was in a play, and I was surprised by uh, a cousin from Seattle that I hadn't seen in a few years. And he's, he texted me after the show, hey, I just saw your show. You did a great job. I was like, what? You're in Chicago? Um, so I, I went and met him at a bar real quick. And it's those moments that are very special for me because my family is not around, this, around Chicago. So when, when it does happen, it's just amazing. It's happened four times in Chicago. Wow. Twice my mom came out. Once my... My um, my cousin came out, and another time a different cousin came out for a different thing. So it's always it's always like a magical thing that I, when I get a performance for family members. Yeah, it's so nice. Yeah. What about you? Uh, what about you, Michael? Um, my dad flew out from Memphis to see me when I was in the Chicago Music Musical Theater Festival, um, and it was in a Vietnamese specific play, so that was dope. Like he could, you know, really relate. And, and that was like a piece of art. Like, I don't know, I don't know how much of it like he was like super, super into, um, but I think, you know. That's a good show. I mean. It was fun, yeah, it was, it was really fun to be. It. it was really fun to be into it. Um, and it was such a great show. Um, I, the show is called the butcher's, the butcher's Son. Yeah, The Butcher's Son. Uh, and uh, they're uh, trying to put it on in Kansas City now, I think. Um, uh, but V is also doing cool stuff with like Viacon 
Um, but I don't know. I don't know how much the older generation, like, you know, like we we watch it and and we are like, damn, like this is what our parents had to go through, right? Yeah. Um, but I don't know how much joy necessarily they would get from yeah. being like, like, Re- damn, look at all this revisiting war trauma. trauma. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, so and, living and in a refugee camp and all that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, he came after and was like, was like, oh, I'm so like, I'm, I'm proud and, and <clears throat> that you're doing what you're doing. Also, uh, stay with a job, but you know, this is cool stuff that you can do this and be successful on the side. Um, and I'm like, that's great. I'm gonna just make my main job this, and then you won't have to tell me to, to keep a job on the side because I'll actually be employed, and that would be cool. Um, and uh, you know, it's it, it's really cool to just have that uh, that that experience. Like he flew up. My my mom was supposed to fly, but she got sick, so I, that was kind of mm. sad. I, I really wanted um, both of them to be able to come, but she cheered me on from home. Um, and then it's cool. Yeah, I, I I hope that he gets to see um like more stuff. You know what I mean? And I hope that it's more accessible to him than literally taking a fucking flight to Chicago every time. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, another thing about my mom, she watches every single thing that I've ever done if it's posted online. So like the thing that we did at the um the Chinese American uh museum. Oh dope. Oh yeah. She she, she watched really? that and then she gave me notes. So she oh, awesome. <laughs> no, so she's like, okay. Yeah. She, yeah. Awesome. yeah. It That's it was great. funny. She sent me this. I had no idea that she even watched that, but wow. yeah, she, oh. she is a big supporter of mine. I wanted yeah. to say I'm glad that she liked. I'm glad she liked the show. Um, yeah. itself. Off of, uh, what we were saying earlier with the with the fucking like um, being inspired and and doing cool stuff just to to exist as an artist. I think like I don't know how many people um, think this way, but they should. It's like literally just exist in your space and do what you do because like they're all they'll, like every time they look at us on stage, they they already classify us as Asian, right? So the the yeah. stuff that you do, like you don't have to like. You can like there's 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 time and space for that literally like yeah. spoken words and 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 monologues and solar solo pieces and 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 all this like you know uh, uh, community focused stuff that you can do and you should do but also like you could just you could just be a rat you could be a rat for like forty five minutes and it don't matter because they're seeing an Asian person be a rat you know what I mean like, yeah. like you need you need that full 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 fucking thing and I'm not saying don't put on for the culture but put on for the culture but also put on for you. Um, yeah. yeah, and that's yeah, and that's, that's the thing, I, and that's and that's a question the only only um, artists of color get asked or or who identify differently than the mainstream. Because if it, if this is a, a cis white male actor sitting right here, you don't ask that question to that person. Right. And so what? So why do? Uh, so I I just feel sometimes like it's a disservice to the artist. Like why do we have to carry so much more than than other people? You know what right. I mean? Why do I have to be a representative of the entire it's nation? It's automatic for us. Yeah, well, <laughs> like yeah, we don't that's, have a choice. That's yeah, it's like, you know, and it's like I already have enough to think about, man. I've got lines to learn, performances to to delve into, roles and characters to just invest in, and, and just in addition to surviving. And then if you ask me to be the uh, the neo for all the Asian Americans in the world, it's like what the f- that's. That's it's an insane. That's an insane task. It's like, and that's why I can't think that way because yeah. there's yeah. there's no way I would be able to to function as an artist or as a human being if I felt like um, it was beyond just myself being an artist. And I think that, and I think, and I hope other artists think this way too. Is that that's enough? You know, Michael is saying that's you know living in the moment. That's enough. They see you a certain way, so. It's always uh, gonna be that, no matter yeah, what. Like, yeah. like no matter what. But um, the thing I'll, is about that though too is that they see you a certain way. I try not to, to, um, go down that negative cycle of being. Yeah, don't do the stereotypes. Yeah, yeah don't do the stereotypes or don't, <laughs> or don't. Um, oh yes. Um, be the worst version of myself on stage because, as much as I want to be just the artist, I'm trying not to be the be- the the artist that. Um, reflects negatively on myself and, and in turn other people. I try to be like for sure. Yeah, you know, so for sure. Yeah. It's like the burden and of not to, uh, like go ahead. Oh, it's just gonna say it's like it's kinda like the the burden of that single narrative, right? Like like yeah. as we just pointed out, like we are like when we 
having to tell stories, there's this expectation that we're speaking for everyone else. And that's not true. I mean, every refugee story in Vietnam are so different, so multi-layered, very intersectional. And, and the thing is that we have a responsibility to tell our own story, but not with this expectation that people have of us to, you know, glorify the trauma yeah. and yeah. to speak on behalf of like, I don't know how many millions of Vietnamese American yeah. Vietnamese Americans or Vietnamese um, uh, living in Western countries. But yeah, it, it's, it's a lot to ask for and it's yeah. unfair. So yeah. I think it's a very big part of uh, how we do our art and, and that we're not tied to just that trauma no. that there's yeah. more to our stories than just what happened 40 years ago, though it's important, though it has some influence, but everyone's, the way that people are influenced are so different and yeah. um, and it takes on a different life. So yeah, I, I think it's a great point that you bring up. Uh, we, um, yeah, thank you for that. So, yeah, so and so the thing, the only thing that you can do to avoid being that single voice is to inspire more and more and more people to yes. to to be uh, to find the power in their own voices. And so, like, um, yes. you know, you write something that inspires ten other people, and you're not the only voice anymore. You know, then you've right. got eleven voices, and then that becomes a yeah. hundred, a thousand, and so. Um, Absolutely. And that's what I was talking about, inspiring that one or two people every single time you're out there. Yeah. And I think that's why that's always important. Yeah, go ahead. uh, Go ahead, Michael. There's like like a couple of things. Uh, One, Cali Asians don't have this problem, right? Like like people that live in in California, like like, shout out Dean Santiago, but I remember um, uh, 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 Dean, you know, just casually mentioning to either someone else, I don't think it was me, but like uh, he was like, yeah, like, I didn't understand racism until I got here. Like, racism against Asians, I didn't get Because he was just, like, he was almost the default. You know what I mean? Like, the, there's so many Asians and there's so many people of color that interact in, like, where he was from. And so, like, I can't tell that story. But, like, that's just always insane to me and so fun that, like, a lot of Cali Asians, I'm not saying all of them, but, like, you know, like, to, to be in the default is is, is, is is beautiful in the sense that, that if you're a minority and you just can live with that, like, I would, I would love, I would love for, for, for my kids to grow up in, in a community where they just have um, a lot of interaction with, with Asians, a lot more than, than I ever did. You know, what I mean, like, like uh, the only Asian interaction I had was with, at like family parties before, like my mom, like, yeah. eventually pissed off all the other moms, and then I stopped seeing my friends. I was like, damn, all right, cool. Now I'm down to like two. Um, <laughs> uh, second thing I want to say is that. Uh, it's it's a weird burden, and I want oh also want to shout out Tian because um, I had a different experience, but we were at the same show. Me and me and we, um, she told the joke about being um, like because because hair is like the only way you can describe like a comedian. There's no like improv word for improviser, um, and so like uh, a clown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Her her, her joke about uh, being like a, a a Vietnamese gay clown is like the funniest fucking thing. <laughs> Um, I have to and, see and, that. And sitting in the audience, like I don't know, I don't know if she's retired it or I don't know if she's she's using it as a material now. But like, like that that moment for me was like, like that was that was my gotcha moment. You know what I mean? Because uh, that was like May 2017. I was sitting in that theater. It was an all Asian night. Uh, Star Friday was putting on to celebrate, and I think I, I literally I think me and Lee were the only Vietnamese people in the audience, and we were also the most vocal laughers because we. That joke was that joke was for her, and that's great. But it also like it was for us, you know. what I mean, like like she did it. She did it because she she wanted to do it, and that was amazing. She didn't do it expecting me and we to be in the audience because there's no way that she can know that any Vietnamese people are in the audience at all. Um, but she did it just to, just to say it because it's funny as shit. Mm-hmm. And 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 that extra level that we have because of our cultural understanding, that's amazing. Like you know what I mean, like. Mm-hmm. Only we got that, and that's that's perfectly fine. So you can do you can do stuff for yourself, and hope that other people get it. Mm. Yeah. And so now Chicago has a very is known for its comedy scene, right? I mean, Second City being uh, a great example. So in the API comedian scene in the past couple of years um, to now, are you feeling more encouraged than ever uh, with? Uh, with this community of uh, API folks who are now 
going into theater, going into acting, comedy, uh, writing. So what have you noticed in the past few years that's making you feel very hopeful about this scene in Chicago? Uh, for me, every time I walk into IO or Second City or Annoyance and I see an Asian person that is like not a part of Club Asia and not a part of Stir Friday and not a part of Silly Point, like, yeah. like an unaffiliated random Asian, I like always want to take them to the side and be like, yo, who are you? Where did you come from? Like, like I need to know all of these details. But also, I just want to let them live. You know what I mean? Like, they're going through their experience. They'll find us when they need us. You know what I mean? I'm not yeah. out here. Like, like, I want to, but, like, I'm not, I'm, you know, we're, we're not saving the world through, like, combination, which is a bunch of fucking comedians that are trying to get paid and have fun and, and, and grow our craft and, you know, do all that shit. So, um, let them live. But, you know, maybe, maybe I'll, I might whisper every once in a while and be like, what's up, man? What you, what's, what's, what's your deal? So, that's me. Yeah. Wait, anything on that? Like, uh, repeat, repeat the question for so, me. Oh. Yeah, about the comedy scene in Chicago, especially among API comedians, and well, not just with comedians, but also with actors, with writers, uh, because I know Chicago is known to be, again, a big scene for comedy, right? And mm -hmm. so I know like people like Stephen Young uh, came from Second City, right? So I was wondering about how optimistic you're feeling about the uh, the developments among the API community here in, in terms of it's, theater it's and dope, comedy. It's, yeah. it's, it's dope, man. It's uh, very cool to see um, all these big troops uh, coming out, these uh, individual, like the solo voices just smashing people it's it's inspiring and it's like i just want more of it you know all the time i'm so greedy yeah. when it comes to that um but uh i i love it i love it chicago's a good scene and it's getting better and better yeah i've noticed that yeah what it's can you tell us about yeah, what can you tell us about stir fry uh stir fry uh friday night i believe because uh, i've I've only known about it just by name, and uh, well, I'm not. I'm not a part of them. Um, uh, Michael's doesn't um, is not a part of them too. Yeah. But they are the oldest. Neither um, of us are a part of us. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. yeah. I, I mean, I, I just do. I do comedy more in a yeah. in a bubble. I do smaller stuff uh, with my comedy partner Dre Sampson. So he's he's uh, he's black. He's African American, um, and that's the that's where I mo mostly do comedy. Um, and then I, I'm on a, a larger improv team called Poster Child, but Poster Child is like a, yeah. a, a big, um, diverse mix of, of different uh, persuasions. Um, so uh, Stir Friday Night, though, is they're probably 25 years old at, wow. at this point. That's uh, it's a uh, Asian American improv and, and sketch comedy uh, group. Uh, they've had some big names in the past and they they have big names now i i love the work that they're doing and and they always put up a good show so they're awesome love them. Yeah. and then uh another improv uh group is called club asia um michael Van is just part of that <laughs> he's one of the founders of that group uh they're out there they're smashing it they're yes. out there doing the damn work right. and inspiring other damn people, right inspiring people to get up on stage and and speak their their voices so um, Michael, yeah. all, it's all love. It's like a, it's a fun, yeah. it's a fun thing. It's, it's the greatest thing to have literally more than one fucking uh, Asian comedy group. Um, and, and for us, like we're, we like to think of ourselves as an arts collective. Yeah. Um, and there's also, and, um, and Stir Friday Night too. Uh, and that's Stir Friday, Silly Point. Silly Point is another. Silly Point Asian, is great. Yeah, I love Silly Point. Yeah. yeah. So we got, we got the three, which is nice. And then, you know, everyone has their, their things and sometimes you mix members and it's really nice. Uh, it, it's a cool thing, you know, uh, it's a lovely thing to have so many people that, that can run and do different things and, and be interested. Um, and also, uh, so fun to uh, get confused for different teams on a podcast. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> uh, so uh, with that said, um, both of you, like, you know, uh, work together on your little improv comedy duo, Fish Sauce. Now, mm -hmm. do you perform as a duo often? Because I don't, I don't know if you perform. I think I know we you perform, perform, three, I know you perform three or four times. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, three or four yeah, times. times. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah. Thanks for uh, doing the last talk stories uh, as that uh, as that group. And I'm just very curious. How did uh, you both meet, and how did you realize that working together was either the best thing or the worst thing? I don't know. I don't know what your relationship <laughs> is now because I always see that there's some kind of tension going on here tension. between the both of you. That's not, that's not for me. I don't man. know. I don't know. No. I mean, I, I get I get some tensions between okay. both of you sometimes. So I'm like, hmm, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. But so <laughs> how do you? You're trying to start a Twitter war. I'm not trying to start shouting anything. Friday night, Friday night out on a podcast with no Friday, Friday night members. Uh, you know What's what? <laughs> I'm just. I'm not trying to start anything. I'm just. Yeah. It's on you. It's on both of you. So, you know, I'm just listening. I'm just asking the questions and, you know, I'm not the expert on this. <laughs> you two are. I don't know. But... We've, we've performed uh, a few times together, uh, but we're also both very busy individually on, on different yeah. projects. So it's hard to, to find the right time and place to get up on stage. So, yeah, yeah we had that that show at uh at io and i think that was like just fucking peak us like us yeah dude, our powers crushed crushed Crush. that show i wish uh, they had ordered that one yeah I was gonna <laughs> say, people still come up and talk to me about it yeah yo i've had so many people come up and talk to me about that show and i, I honestly I, I think it was so fun because that show is the epitome of everything that we talked about it's like that show was for us you know we did like like i always i was in I was in an accent that was like my, my dad's accent basically the whole time. And I was playing Wee's dad. Um, and uh, we just had this fun, beautiful, like it was just a bunch of scenes about like a, a son and father. And, and then, you know, uh, we built the world around it. And it was all about two Vietnamese dudes. Um, and that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's fun, you know. Um, um, fish sauce came together just because we just wanted to do it for a couple, you know. And it's nice um like uh we don't have like like rehearsals or like you know mm. obligations to to be like yo let's do this every week let's do this every week and i think that people can get burned out with that kind of stuff um and especially because like we have poster child and he has blasian um and i have club asia and oh shout out breakfast of champions just got added to that um and a bunch of you know a bunch of other stuff that we love to do creatively um, so when it is that moment that we can be together and have fun and, and, and chill, like when we were at IO or when we did the Laugh Out Loud Theater right after that, because someone was like, mm. y'all are awesome. Let's, let's watch, I'll do it again. So we're like, oh yeah, fuck you, I'll do it. And then at Talk Stories, right? Talk Stories, we did it. Um, and that was beautiful, you know? And it's, when it's, was the it's one little... at the crowd? The, the one at the crowd was like a year ago or two years ago? Oh, so, yeah, that was the first one. That, that was the first one. I think that was... I think that was a year ago or two years ago. I know it was in the fall of of, of some year, but that was the first time. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, yeah. I'm just very curious because I see improv as quite intimidating for me, but it looks a lot of fun. And I'm very curious to know, especially to folks who are interested in improv, what goes through the mindset, the whole process of going, doing an improv sketch, by the way, I'm, I'm just out of curiosity, just out of curiosity. Uh, improv improv scenes and then sketch is like a, a different type of thing. So okay. improv improv is uh, made up on the spot. So there's no written words. Um, and it's just uh, allowing your yourself to be present and, and respond to or create whatever you want to in that moment. Um, so there's there's nothing to learn. You just be yourself or be a character. It's like playing as a kid. When you used to play pretend when you're a little kid, and you would be the captain of a starship or a monster or a vampire or something. It's just like that, but on stage. And you know, all the classes that are out there around the world do is help you find that child inside of you more and ha- help you uh, make choices um, that are more fun for yourself and for the people who are playing around you. And so that's what it is. The, uh, there's nothing hard about it um, other than you have to allow yourself <clears throat> Um, a little leeway because you're making it up you know it's not like and and the thing is when kids are out there they're they're playing pretend they they don't judge themselves there's like oh that was so dumb why did i do that it's just like they're Mm -hmm. that person they are a dragon for an afternoon or they're they're a a wizard and they 
and then they just go and they have the most fun and and that's what i think might be the most enjoyable thing for audiences is when you see other people adult human beings on stage um just having fun and not trying to be too smart or or anything like that they're just having fun it seems almost impossible but it's really possible when you let go of that that judgment and fear so yeah the judgment part is the killer because it really yeah. like we have you're it in and out yeah. yeah we have it ingrained and programmed into us yes you know and that's what school does too you know like traditional school is just like there's a right way and a wrong way to do things so you're yes. you're used to judging yourself you're used to grading yourself but uh, and our improv. families too. Oh yeah, yeah, our families. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, And the older you get, the more it becomes ingrained into your brain. But like I was saying, when you're a kid, you know, you're four or five or you know six or eight years old, you know, you don't worry about any of that stuff. Yeah. So, do you have any upcoming projects uh, coming up uh, that you're uh, currently working on? Who me? Oh, oh yes. I am. I am constantly working, and um, I am in a play yeah. right now that's closing on november 2nd but then that same day i start process on another one uh i just found out today that i'm booked on another one so i'll be in chicago for the next eight months um working in theater stuff uh as far as smaller stuff blasian we performed together as uh improv group for a while me and dre sampson a two-person team uh but we've been writing this entire time and so we're finally putting up a sketch show at the crowd theater um, on November 7th at 10 o'clock. Okay. That may be the one, my last uh, comedy show ever because uh, all this other stuff is coming up. Maybe, who knows? Oh, you don't know. I might be hit by a bus. Also, I ride around the city on a, on a motorcycle. I could be hit by a bus. You know, I'm, I'm crazy. Are you, are, you, are you really asking for that? Because it seems like you really want that to happen. Oh, man, dude. To be remembered as the, as the James Dean of the... The uh, <laughs> Chicago comedy shop. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> oh, crazy! I gotta do a photo shoot where I'm just a t-shirt. Who is is uh, does Michael yeah. have to does Michael have to give the eulogy? Or are you gonna have him do eulogy? Um, no, I, I think <laughs> I think we should just have a big old rager in Grant Park, just oh, celebrating. Yeah, I'm calling it the Spring Roll Festival. That's what it'll be. The Spring Roll the Festival. Spring Roll Festival. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I got that going on, and then um, uh, I'm doing more uh, uh, production side of the camera stuff. So I'm shooting a uh, music video oh. this weekend. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. So and then, yeah, I, yeah. I'm just like so so uh, blessed to be working pretty pretty constantly. Nice. What about you, Michael? He's not doing shit. Well, I'm not doing shit. By <laughs> <laughs> smoking weed and drinking yeah. wine. I'm uh. <laughs> Smoking weed. Who the fuck do you think I am? Uh, I start. Uh, Yo, you my... said you're going to start directing. What's that? What's that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, right now it, I'm executive directing for um, Collegiate Sketch Review, so we'll have that in January slash February. Um, we may have someone. Where is that going to be? And look at stuff. Uh, we haven't booked yet, but we're in writing process now. It's super fun. Um, writers' room every week, which is like amazing. Um, it's it's so nice to have. We have twelve talented people just like constantly in touch with each other working and growing and, and building this team this family together um so i'm super excited to see what we come up with we come up with some real real cool shit so far um and then in like 15 minutes i'm going to uh, my first cast reading for this thanksgiving show from storefront so end of yeah. november i think november 21st 22nd storefront mm -hmm. gets sketchy thanksgiving edition number 29 um, and it's super cool to work with this collective too, because they're, they're so quick and efficient. They put out a schedule every month. Um, and so they have a, like writers constantly writing and submitting. And then, you know, it's the most professional thing I've ever done. Like legitimately, I just walk in, they give me my scripts, I read them, I memorize them. And then three weeks later, I perform it. And that's just like, it's a beautiful load to take off your actors to, for them to just be like, here's the, all the shit that you need. All of your material is here. Come check it out and then block it the week afterwards then dress rehearsal, then show. Wow. Um, it's quick, it's smooth, it's efficient. I, I love it. I, I, love, I love this process. I think it's really cool. And, um, you know, I'm, I'll, be, I'll be doing hopefully, hopefully some two-prov every now and then. I, I really love um, picking up shows with people I love um, performing with or, or, or admire. So that's how Fish Sauce came to be. So yeah. maybe we can get a, 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 a surprise concert somewhere. <laughs> 
I hope I hope you get to perform. Yeah, I hope you uh, both perform oh, together. It'd be great. Uh, no, but like you, Randy just planted the seed of doubt in my head about competition between us now. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna hop on Twitter and say say something. I mean, well, you're gonna have to like try to get some good material before you break up. I mean, you're gonna have to pull Simon and Garfunkel, right? I mean, they put out their last album together was one of the best. Oh, okay. So get some good material in first before you break up, you know? All right, so, hey, where are you Where are you right now, Michael? I'm in Flatiron. Someone just came off to yell at me for being too loud, so I'm oh. in a different area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my cast reading is close to Damon, so yeah. let's see if I can walk in there. So I heard, Michael, I heard that you're also a big Tennessee Titans fan. Is that correct? Man, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He loves them. He loves Peyton Manning. Shut up. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to curse that you he managed to play for the Titans, though. No, he was a he was a Tennessee uh, volunteer. He was a volunteer. On camera, yo, fuck Peyton Manning too. Fuck the Tennessee Titans. Fuck Nashville. Oh my shit. gosh. Carolina Panthers all day. Cam Noon all day. Repping hard. Is this a trash <laughs> can? Maybe this is a trash can. Cam Newton's still kind of like, trying to find himself this season. So. Well, um, your man's hurt. I don't really know what you. Wow. Yeah, I'm sorry that I had to bring in a Titans reference. I thought you were a big fan of them because you're from, you know, Tennessee. But you know, no, he's he's wearing a day. Tennessee Titans shirt. He's wearing a hat right now. I can see it. This is a this is a joke from the previous. I know, I know the your podca- podcast your podcast listeners can't see this, but Michael Van Fam is wearing face paint that says Tennessee Titans on it, and he's yeah. self-loathing at the I'm, moment. I'm trying to find this. Okay, cool. Thank you. Oh, pardon me. Sorry, don't die. Go down my cat. This is this I'm is like, quite an adventure. Michael Michael <laughs> FM is doing this podcast from a train station. I'm doing this. I'm doing this shit live from the moon, motherfuckers. Uh, so in the me- yeah, in the meantime, yeah. uh, before I let you go, so where can uh, we follow you? So we, where can we follow you? Oh, on okay. Uh, on yeah, on Instagram, ninety ninety five percent photos of my cat. Max, uh, my yeah, handle is uh, Hui H U Y underscore Win N G U Y E N eight. That's the number eight. So it's Hui underscore Win eight, and that's my handle. Come on yeah. out! Oh, I'd love to see you there. Yeah, and Michael, Ooh. where can we follow you? Except, well, we're, I don't know where we're following you right now because I don't follow know. Follow him into you, uh, you a Tennessee Titans game. On the Damon <laughs> Blue Line, I'm at. Milwaukee and North right now. I'm thinking about yeah. North Avenue. Good old Wicker Park. I mean, Wicker Park, you can follow me down to the Ukrainian Cultural Center, which is where our first cast reading is tonight for the Storefront Get Scheduled show. But otherwise, you can follow me at yeah. Blue Wumbo. It's mostly photos of me right now. You said Blue Wumbo? Halloween costume. Yep. Blue, like the regular blue. W-U-M-B-O. Follow me there. And I have a lot of dope uh, Captain America Endgame photos. Where did you get the blue, Where did you get the name so Blue Wumbo? Where did you get the name Blue Wumbo, by the way? Because I'm kind of perplexed by it. But uh, blue is my favorite color, and Wumbo is a, a generational thing. I think you might have been not a SpongeBob lover, like uh, me. And also, I'm pretty sure we missed out on both. Go watch yeah. SpongeBob seasons one through three. Best oh, man. I, I think I was already um, in my late 30s by the time Spongebob came out. So. Damn. Damn. I'm being super ageist. Yeah, see, there super it is. Again. We Clearly. brought it up earlier, and then now it rears its ugly head again. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyways, I want to say thank you so much to the What's two the of you for... Who'd you see? This is quite awkward, Susan. isn't it? This is Susan Bratton. <laughs> What's up, Susan? I'm pretty sure that's Susan. <laughs> well, anyways, anyways, I want to say thank you so much to the two of you for uh, being uh, out here talking to me. And uh, we best wishes to you in LA right now and with your projects as well as you, Michael. And good luck with the casting, uh, the, the reading tonight. So. Yeah, definitely um, sending my best to both of you and also for sharing your stories and for really uh, doing your best to keep the API visibility alive in the Chicago comedy scene and not only to keep it visible, but to thrive. And so you 
you two are doing some really amazing work. So I look forward to seeing what comes next. So you're doing some cool stuff too, Randy. Don't well, sell yourself you. short. Yeah, man. You got shit going <laughs> on. All these talk stories. Well, yeah, it's coming up on December 10th. Yeah, it's coming up December 10th. Yeah, plug, yeah, plug your stuff. Yeah, plug, plug your it's own coming stuff, December Randy. 10th and yeah. uh, get and your And if ticket. you don't, yeah, um, and listeners get a discount. It's free for listeners. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, thank you, Wade, for trying to, thank you, Wade, for trying to uh, um, say something that, uh, yeah, that, that, that was a little uncalled for there. So how about maybe um, you just go to one of Wade's shows for free, you know? Yes. Yeah, we do. can. Let's do that. Let's do that instead. Okay. See how you yeah, like come, them. Come, come on uh, November seventh to the crowd here. Yeah. Yo. Well, the, the funny thing is, it's probably it's like here to like December. So <laughs> yeah, okay. you're out of luck Damn. there. Perfect. Hey, well, when you start doing um, your your online promos for it, you can you can start plugging it now. Actually. November seventh. Um, yeah. Crowd theater. You see, uh, see my hand movements that symbolizes uh, that's, cash. That's, uh, that's racist, Randy. Okay, listeners, uh, Randy Kim is doing something very racist with his hands. Very right. racist against Italians right now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, my friends. I'll well, thank you so much. Have a great evening. You. And you, don't man. get killed, Mike, on your way. Yeah, try not oh, to. Oh, man. That's like a beginning of a horror movie right now. Bye, guys. Well, <laughs> bye. Good see night. You. Bye. Well, that is all for today. Thank you for listening. And be on the lookout for future episodes. So follow me on The Bunby Chronicles on Facebook. Or you can follow me on Instagram at bunmi underscore chronicles. Thank you again and looking forward to sharing more with you. Mm-hmm.